You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Strange Familiars. If you've had an encounter with something strange, a cryptid, a UFO, a ghost, and you want to share your story on Strange Familiars, you can email us, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. Tonight's guest is Chad, and he will be telling us about several strange experiences he had both in the military and out of the military. Chad was just on Sasquatch Chronicles episode 568 it was called run like hell and he tells about his bigfoot and his ufo sighting on there which we talk a little bit about in this episode so if you want to check it out sasquatch chronicles you can find it at sasquatchchronicles.com or wherever you listen to podcast again that's episode 568 run like hell and chad tells his story of his bigfoot sighting there it's really interesting sighting definitely worth checking out as is every episode of sasquatch chronicles it's one of my favorite podcasts So seeing as Wes just talked to Chad a couple episodes ago, I thought it was a good idea to just go ahead and get the rest of Chad's stories here on Strange Familiars. Before we hear from Chad, though, just wanted to thank our patrons. Without our patrons, we could not make Strange Familiars. So thank you very much, patrons. If you're interested in helping us continue to make the show and get extra content besides, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. We do at least one full extra episode of Strange Familiars there every month. We try to do more, and we give other bonus stuff besides. You can check it out and see all the levels of support at patreon, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Another way you can help is to leave nice five-star reviews at iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to Strange Familiars. Those nice five-star reviews, likes, and subscribes always help. Thank you for all the great comments we've gotten. And so now let's hear the rest of Chad's stories, which he didn't tell on Sasquatch Chronicles. 
talking with Chad, who's going to tell us some stories. Now, you were just on Sasquatch Chronicles. It was episode, oh, I had it right up here. It's episode 568, Run yeah. Like Hell. And uh, your Sasquatch encounters on there. So people should go there and listen to that. Although I will be asking you one Sasquatch question before we're done here. But you said you had some other stories to share with Strange Familiars. More stuff more appropriate to your show. It's not Sasquatchy. And <laughs> I was listening to Wes in the episode right before mine. He had some other crazy army guy telling stories on there. So you can only, you know, too much of a good thing. It was really strange. The same week Wes aired that show, I interviewed a guy who was an ex-Marine who told some very similar stories. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's just complete coincidence. Just co- you know, I'd already interviewed him by the time Wes aired his show and you know, two different huh. guys, you know, two different guys, but uh, very 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 similar stories, very strange stuff going on in Iraq. Yeah, well there's a lot of weird stuff over there, that's for sure. Yeah. Let me kick off so my first I was in the army. That was, you know, 20 years and a military police officer. And my first duty station was Presidio, Presidio San Francisco. And I'm laughing because it was, I joined the army and after I joined, then they kicked off the Gulf War, you know. <laughs> so I didn't sign up and was like, I want to be part of that. You know, I started the army and then that started and I was like, oh my God, I'm scared. <laughs> because it's war, you know, yeah. Nobody, oh, yeah. 19 year old kid. And it's like, oh my gosh, you're going to send me to war, you know. And yeah, I ended up going later, plenty. But on that one, I got orders to Presidio, like the dream orders. It's beautiful, San Francisco. And uh, that place was really amazing. And it's no longer a post. They turned it over to the Park Service. So it's part of the like, National Park System, you know? Mm-hmm. Very beautiful if you ever get a chance to go over there. But one of the things with that place is everyone, when you're working there, they tell them, it would belong to the army, but before that it belonged to the Spanish and it's been there forever as a military installation. That's like one of the oldest installations in the United States that uh, started with the Spanish, got turned over to us and it's got all kinds of history. I haven't met a lot of people, anybody who's been there that doesn't have their own story of that place because it's, it's got a lot of history, but uh, this particular one, I, it was my first duty station. I was there about two weeks and they take you and put you in a car and uh, they don't send you around by yourself, you know, cause you're 19 years old. You don't know what you're doing. All right. You know, that wouldn't be safe for anybody. So they give you an experienced partner and they gave me this guy. He was, his name was Sergeant Clark and he was awesome. He was a great guy, really squared away. And he, I mean, he was driving me around and we were doing stuff. He's like trying to show me, he's like, you gotta know your area. And so I was driving him and he would close his eyes and then he would guess where he was, you know, and he's showing me how in tune with his surroundings he was, you know, which is pretty good because he wasn't even from there. He was a a reservist that was doing his time there. Normally he was a customs guy. So I was pretty impressed with him. I thought he was a square away guy. So we're driving around doing our thing and it's in October. It's about 1230 at night. And all we're doing, Presidio at nighttime was pretty much dead. Like nothing's going on there. During the daytime, it's like a big park with, you know, some housing and some buildings. And during the nighttime, it's a park at night. So nothing is going on. We were driving behind some officer housing. There's like seven little white houses in a row. And they're these nice little two-story houses. You know, they give them each their own little unit because they're going to live there for about three years or so. So the whole family moves in there. And they're all a little, cute little identical, these seven houses. And uh, we pulled in 
and we're on the road behind was just a dead end road. It just went behind the houses and stopped. And you could pull into each little driveway from that road. And that was it. This is a little dirt road and, and you had to turn around and come back. So the first house is lit up. Every single window is lit up. There's, it looks like there's not a light in the house that's not turned on, which is like a crazy juxtaposition with the rest of the, the stretch because not one light is on in any of the other houses. Not an outside light. Not a, it was just really weird in itself. So we drove around and we were going really slow. Sergeant Clark's driving. And I'm on the passenger side. We got the windows down because it's nice out. And we're, he's showing me again, he's being the, the, the high speed uh, instructor. Tell me you got to have the windows down if you really want situational awareness with your neighborhood. You can't be riding around with the windows up and the radio turned on because you'll have no connection with the community. You know? And so we got the windows down. We're driving by two miles an hour, maybe. He's just riding the brake. And we get around the back of the first house and there's this guy standing there. And I would have bet any amount of money he just had, uh, he had like major written all over him, like army officer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's in a red velour robe, like a bathrobe. And he's got his military style glasses on. He's got like a comb over thing going on. And uh, he, he looks like he's probably about, probably about 45 or so, 50 years old. And he's in slippers. He's holding a trash bag. That's about half full. I don't know what's in it. Black trash bag. Uh, but it's open. He's holding it like open, like he's going to put more stuff in it, or he just put stuff in it. And he's looking in his, the window, like doesn't even give us a look. And we're probably 20 feet from him on the little road behind his house, 30 feet. But doesn't even wave or acknowledge our presence or anything. Is he looking in the window of the house that was lit up? Yes. Okay. Yep. He's holding his bag. He's in his pajamas or whatever and his robe and his slippers with his glasses and his trash bag and he's looking in the window intently looking in the window you know and mm -hmm. i can't i can't see nothing in the window and the, the whole place is lit up so you can see in the window you can see it's his kitchen or whatever he's looking into so we're driving farther down i go well, that's really weird and sergeant clark's like well, what do you think and i'm like i don't know but i don't normally stand outside with my trash looking in my own window <laughs> like what's that all about it's definitely weird and he's like, yeah, we'll check it out in a minute. So we drive down to the end and turn around. It takes about three minutes, maybe three minutes. We turn around and come back, and this guy's not there. He's not in his backyard anymore. So, you know, no big deal, whatever. He was doing whatever he was doing, and he went in the house, right? And we see a shadow move inside the house, like in the kitchen. I see, like, a, a shadow go across the wall. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, he went back in the house, you know. And the last thing I'm going to do is knock on some officer's door at 1230 at night and ask him what he's doing, you know, right. without any kind of provocation or whatever. Right. Yeah. So we're like, oh, but we're still kind of on alert because this whole thing is, it just strikes you as weird and it kind of gets your hairs up and you're on alert, you know? So we drive around the edge of the house or on the, the end of the house, I should say. And he's the last house there. And the only thing on the side of the house is there's a bush that's about, I guess it's about six feet high. It's a, and then, then there's the end of the house and there's this guy standing there, different guy, not even close to the same person. Don't even know if it's a person, honestly. And it's just the craziest thing. He's standing there and his shoulders, even with the bush and he's in some kind of, 
what looks to be military uniform, like formal uniform, like a trench coat and nice dress type shoes, pants. He's wearing some kind of hat. And I can distinctly see he's standing there at the position of attention because I can see his fingers are curled and his thumb is down and his arms are at his side and his entire bearing is military. Absolutely. And his head is at a 40 degree angle to his right, looking in front of the car, in front of us. We stop the car. Bigger Sergeant Clark stops it. My window's parallel with this guy. I'm probably 25 feet from him. He's standing there looking in front of our car like he's watching something that we cannot see going on. He's intently watching something and there's nothing there that we can see. Now that's the crazy part about this guy. This is the key detail is he's one color, top to bottom, inside, outside, pants, fingers, hair, everything is a void. Hmm. A complete void and lack of light. So, yeah, I've, uh, yeah. I, I mean, th- this is a thing. But continue, please. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know for years that this was a thing. I had no idea. I didn't know this was a thing like until 2012. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting there watching this guy, and he's just—he's. We don't know what to think. We don't know how to process this. We're not saying anything. I'm not even sure we were breathing. I mean, honestly, I don't know. It was just like, what is going on here? So we're watching this guy. Again, my window's down because we're officer safety and we're connecting with the neighborhood, right? We got this going on. Right. So he's standing there, he's looking, and all of a sudden, just instantly, he becomes aware that we are there. And when that happens, his head snaps back to the position of attention because it was off about 40 degrees to the right. It just snaps dead on. And he doesn't have eyes that I can see or a face because he's all one solid color. You know, there's no definition. I can't go, there's his nose. But I tell you, I felt his eyes lock on my eyes. We locked eyes, even though I couldn't see his eyes. Right. And for the life of me, there was a moment there when it felt like he recognized me. You know, when you're like, let's say you go to the, you know, you go to the mall with your baseball team or whatever, and you're looking for somebody on the team and you see him, you're like, Hey, you're like, Oh, you know, that moment of recognition, you know, right. that's what I got from this guy that he looked and then just the way his body moved, his shoulders, like, it was like, Oh, I recognize you. And then instantly he started doing something that we call range walking, which is to walk as fast as you can possibly walk without running. So it's what you do when you're on the range shooting weapons. So it's a safety thing. You know, it's like no running by the pool type thing. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's doing this instantly. Snap. He recognizes me. Or I think he does. It sure looks like it. And then he starts stepping off, doing this range walk, taking these huge strides. And he takes one. And he's, he's militarily walking. His hands are still curled. And he takes one, two and a half steps. And between us and him is a yard light. Right? And it's well lit. It's not a dark night, like really dark. He's got a white house silhouetting him. 
So there's no question as to where he is, what he's standing, what he's looking like. He is a solid entity. He is blocking the house. We can see everything, his digits, his fingers. So two and a half steps, he comes in and he starts to break into the cone of light from the uh, yard light that was right there because of casting, you know, down like a cone of light generally. Mm-hmm. And he comes into that and it was like grabbing a radio dial and you're listening to a radio station and just slowly twisting it and losing it. And he walked at us and we could see him. And within the matter of a step, that full swing of those huge steps that he was taking in a big hurry to get God knows where to do God knows what he faded. I could see through him. I could see the house and then he just was not standing there. And that was about 15 feet from my door with my window open and me watching this whole time. Now, did the uh, sergeant that was with you observe it as well? Oh, yeah. So that's the thing. So I'm still so transfixed. I don't want to look away because I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. People don't just disappear. And he didn't pop out of existence. He faded into some other thing, into another, I don't know what, but he faded. His consistency got less. His density got less. And then he was nothing and nowhere. And I'm honestly waiting for him to pop up right in front of my window, like come back into it once he broke through uh, the street light spray or the yard light spray. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for him to come to some kind of consistency back in front of my window. I don't know why I'm thinking this. Like, I've never dealt with this before, you know, but it's happening and there it is. And so after about a minute of looking, and I still say I'm not breathing. I'm watching and I just, I take a breath, consciously take a breath. I go, tell me you saw that. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't even look over at Sergeant Clark. I don't even look because I don't want to look away. And he goes, oh my God, yes, I saw it. And then he says something. He says probably the last thing in the world I was expecting him to say. And it was just so crazy. I started laughing when he said it. He goes, Let's check it out. <laughs> I was like, I started laughing. I was like, yeah, hell, why not? Let's check it out, you know? And I'm shaking my hands like, woo, we're going to check it out. I'm like, what are we checking out, guy? He just disappeared. He didn't fall in a hole. He didn't walk behind something. He just freaking disappeared, you know? So I'm like, this is awesome. So I grab my mag light. I got a three-cell mag. He's got a three-cell mag. We jump out, we turn on our lights, we're walking around this guy's yard, and I'm laughing. I'm like, what the hell was that? Like, are you kidding me? And we can't believe it, obviously. We, we can't process it. So we're like, we got to tell somebody. You know, we got to get somebody over here. So uh, we call another patrol over, like, hey, can we get some assistance over here? And uh, they're like, yeah, what do you need? We're like, oh, I just roll by. You know? So they come over and they get out because they have nothing going on because it's Presidio and it's the nighttime. So they come over, (laughs) yeah, and they get out of the car like, hey, what's going on? And we're telling them the story. Of course they don't believe us. They don't believe us. Why would they believe us? And we're telling the story. And then, you know, we're trying to really sell it and, you know, get them to believe us. And, of course, they're just not buying it. And I go over and I go, see, like this. I go, he was standing right here. And I stood exactly where he was standing. 
and I look over at the bush and I had a chill run from my heels all the way up to my head. I was like, <sighs> I go, it's time to go. <laughs> I've been in the army for 10 minutes, right? And I'm telling my NCO, it's time to go. And he looks at me like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I'm like, I'm like, I'm six one and my hat is level with the top of this bush. I'm like, his shoulder was level with the top of this bush. That guy's seven feet if he's an inch. And wow. he has the ability to pop in and out. I don't want to be here when he gets back. Are you kidding me? And so the other guys were laughing, but they were looking at me like they kind of took it serious because, you know, I was like, I was just done with it. I'm like, yeah, okay, you can stand here and talk to these jackasses. I'm getting back in the car. <laughs> like, this ain't happening, right? So for about two weeks after that, they called us like the ghost rider patrol made fun of us until somebody else had a situation because everybody always had something coming up there and nobody would believe the other person. Right. Right. It, it was crazy. And my only regret with it is I regret we did not knock on the door and ask that guy why he was outside. Yeah. I was going to ask if there was any way that he tied back into it. Cause I mean that some of the answers like, is that why he had every light in his house on is because this thing was in his house and he realized the light was on. It's helpful to dissipate him. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I've taken any number of stories where people just wake up and these things are, or things similar, just standing there in their bedroom. That would make me turn every light in the house on. Yeah. So it was pretty, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, that's wild. And so the description a lot of people give is like blacker than the night around it. Would that apply? Yeah, it was. I was listening to, I was actually uh, in Seattle uh, at, a, at a, a, my job there. And I was listening to Coast to Coast, like old episodes or something while I was doing some paperwork. And they started talking about the hat man. And I think I about dropped my paperwork. Mm -hmm. I was like, are you kidding me? This is a thing? The only difference was is he didn't have glowing eyes or any eyes that I could see. There was no red eye and there was no, none of that. He was a complete void of light, a complete mm -hmm. lack of it, without a doubt. That was, that was his camouflage, was he was so dark, you know, but it doesn't help you when you're standing in front of a white house, which he was. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, there was a fellow named Mo who, he's been on both Sasquatch Chronicles and Strange Familiars before. And he has a uh, Bigfoot sighting, which he describes in the same way. The face of the creature, he said it just, it looked like it imploded. It really? The black, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, a number of these entities are, you know, people are describing that way. It's, it's a, just a very bizarre thing. When you described it walking through the light and you said it was like radio stack, did you mean it was, it was kind of like breaking up? No, it was just, uh, I guess, how dense he was, because he was there. He was present. He was he was there and then within a matter of one step he went from being there to like dissipating into half being there to we could see through him to he was super thin to he was gone just like poof. and it just killed me because it really seemed like because he looked he was like oh there's somebody there snap he snaps over he takes in the situation he sees the police car he looks at me and then the way his body language was, it was like he recognized me and he was like, oh, you know, oh, there you are. And then he steps out like he's got to get to me to give me something or do something, you know, like, oh, I got to get over there. You know, there he is. And then he disappears. 
It wow. Was, it was so crazy. And there was no, maybe it happened or it was like, I heard something or it was, there was, this was like, in order for me to react on something like this, because things like this happen all the time. Not like this specifically, but weird things happen to me all the time. They do. And I ignore them. It's got to hit me in the face like a sledgehammer for me to get a reaction. And this was definitely a sledgehammer situation. <laughs> like there's no two ways around. That might have been a weird thing. You right. Know what I mean? Yeah. So you could see, I guess, the outline of clothes kind of he was wearing. Yeah. Yep. When he first caught your eyes or caught your attention, I mean, did it take a minute to click in that, like, this is something more than just a, a soldier? Yeah, yeah, it did. It took a second because it was weird because you could see him and you could see he had on a jacket and you could see he had pants and he had, you know, it, I couldn't see it, but I kind of just felt it. How, you know, he, he had a vest, you know, like you could just tell he was dressed up the way he was put together. He just wasn't colored in. You know, so weird. And he had a hat on. And literally the details, I could see his fingernails. I could see the curl of his fingers, how his hand was laying against his leg, his elbow and how it was bent. I mean, I could see all of these details, but I couldn't see him. I couldn't see the, like, he did, like I say, he wasn't colored in. He was a lack of any light. Wow. A void of it. And that's why we didn't even speak. He just stopped the car. Nobody said anything. And we watched this guy watching. And it, he was full on watching an event going on. Like some exciting thing was going on in front of us that we couldn't see. Like, I don't know if it was another dimension that he pops in and out of or what his deal is, but he was watching it. And he was so enthralled by it, he did not see us at first. And then kind of he kind of came back to himself. And then was like, oh, bam, his head snapped over. And he's like, oh, we got this going on. And kind of forgot about what he was looking at and then came right at us. And then he just dissipated into nothing. Huh. Wow. For me, it was a good introduction to 20 years in law enforcement and being all over the world in the military. Yeah. yeah. How showed long me at this point? At this point? I don't yeah. know, 10 minutes. I don't know. I think I just finished basic training, AIT. So... I was in for four months, probably four and a half months at this point. Okay. Well, like you said, it's your, it's your first assignment, right? Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't even, I was just getting trained in on my very first job at the very first place. And this is, we run into this as I'm training, you know. Is there any protocol with uh, handling that kind of stuff? Or is it just, no. you just sweep it under the rug and forget yeah, it? Yeah, nobody wants to hear about that. Yeah. Like nobody wants to hear about it. I report it. Like, come on, what are you reporting? There's a guy out there. He disappeared. Okay. You know, yeah. why are you wasting yeah. my paper? <laughs> Cause <laughs> we couldn't even convince the other patrol that came out, you know? Right. Like yeah. we couldn't even convince them. But here's the crazy part. I'm not kidding. With Presidio, there's another guy there and he's trying to tell me his thing. Everybody's got their thing. They're a weird thing that they ran into. And there's a beautiful national cemetery there. And he's patrolling the cemetery. It's big, you know? And he's, so he's driving around it because you never know. People like to go in there and drink or whatever because it's open post. Presidio is open. You don't need to show your ID to get on. Mm -hmm. Just drive on. So anybody can come on. So he's telling me a story. He's driving around the, park, the cemetery and he sees some lights in the back. So he drives back there and <laughs> I, just, I can't even believe it now. I don't believe it. 
you know, but whatever. So there's this guy back there and he has a woman and she's naked and laying on the ground and he's doing something and he's wearing like some bizarre clothes. Like he's got a cape and, you know, come on, a cape. <laughs> yeah, so he's got a cape, you know, doing his thing and there's candles on the ground and he has a pentagram going. Now I will say for this area, had a very high devil worshiper, satanic uh, thing going on. Like it just did, factually. <laughs> there was always things posted. They would say what they were doing, when they were doing it, uh, the, everything. They just wouldn't say where they were doing it because I guess you were just supposed to know that when you went, you know. Like we were looking on the lookout for two months. for some, They were trying to snatch somebody's kid for a, a sacrifice. Wow, so for two Two months we're in the housing areas, like looking at anybody sideways who came in there, you know. But this was a thing. So this guy's in there. This is where the story gets weird, of course. So the guy's back there. He sees this guy with the candles and with this woman who's laying there naked, unconscious, apparently. He pulls up. He said, the guy, the guy grabs her. And he's like a normal-looking person, you know, size-wise or whatever. He grabs this lady up. And he walks and he steps over the wall, which is about 12 feet high. What? He, said he, he just stepped over it. Like all of a sudden his legs were capable of just stepping him over the wall. Wow. And disappeared with the lady. And I'm like, you're so full of it. There's no way. I'm not believing this, you know? And then so he took me to the evidence room and showed me the evidence. He took all the candles and he did do a report, you know? <sighs> And I was like, I guess. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. But that was common for Presidio. Everybody had a story. I mean, they just did. I'll give you one more. If you, do you want to hear one more? Sure, yeah. Okay. So I went to Germany, and I met the vet there. He was doing something on my dog. My dog got cancer. He was working on my dog. Somehow it came up. He was at Presidio, unprovoked. You know, I didn't say anything to him. He was like, oh, Presidio, that place is so messed up. <laughs> I'm like, well, what do you mean, Doc? And he's like, well, he's like, when we were there, what I guess what happened was if the MPs found lost animals, which, you know, we do, we find lost dogs and this and that or whatever, what we would do is that the desk would call, the MP desk would call the vet and say, hey, send somebody down to the vet to meet us. You got an intake. We're going to give you a dog. Because they're military too, so it's twenty four seven. You don't, you don't, you don't really get a day off. So that's what used to happen. Well, apparently, after two or three incidents, was when the vet, the vet or the vet tech would go down to the veterinarian's office, and it used to be a stables. Prior to being the vet office, it was a stables, and ended up burning down, and it killed a bunch of the horses, and it killed uh, people that were in the stables, the soldiers and stuff. So they rebuilt it, and then it became the eventually came the vet office. Well, so when the vet goes down to meet the MPs, they go down there and open the door. Apparently, it was not uncommon for them to run into a guy who looked like a revolutionary-style soldier. Oh, wow. And he would be in the vet office, but they would see him from, like, the knees up. Like, he could, for whatever reason, I guess his, his legs didn't manifest properly. But, but from the knees up, he would be inside the door there to greet them. And uh, they were just done with it. They were like, yeah, that's not, we're not doing that anymore. Like, wow. he doesn't show up in the daytime. That's when you can catch us there. <laughs> and I know that's a true, that part was true because when I was there right before, or a couple of years before that, we didn't, wouldn't meet, they wouldn't meet us. 
Like they wouldn't. <laughs> Boy, give them some food, some water, leave a little note, and they'd get it in the morning. Right. You know? right. Yeah. But yeah, that was that's pretty common. That place is messed up. Welcome to the army. Here's a something. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That was my big experience as a Presidio. And then the strangest thing, this is the next one I'm going to tell you, this is the strangest thing that's ever happened to me. And the reason I wanted to tell this like on a podcast is because I really want some feedback on this. Like as anybody, I can't get anything on this on research. I can't find anything to do with this. And it was just so, so it was more, it was crazier than Bigfoot chasing me down, seeing UFO, you know, the shadow man, all of it. To me, it was, is more bizarre than that so into the story so i'm in germany and it's during the drawdown which means that's when germany decided that they really didn't want us there and we decided we really didn't want to be there so they started sending all the soldiers home from germany which was about 1992-93 and i was in gießen germany and it's where the depot is for the for the px the afes uh, so everything comes in there to their huge warehouse and then they push it out to all their little stores and stuff. So that's why we were there and that wasn't going anywhere until everybody was gone. So there's nobody there. It's, it's the MPs still there and there's a few people from finance and that was it. And they had us working. <laughs> they called it a 12 hour shift, but it was really a 16 hour shift, but I'm not, I don't need to get into all that. We were very tired and we got two days off two to three days off a month period. And we worked 16 hour to 18 hour shifts every day. And there was nobody there. So you really didn't feel like you were getting anything accomplished. Like you were helping anybody or doing anything. It made no sense. So what we would do was we're working the night shift. Once in a while, we'd be like, we're going to go park the car, take a nap, listen to the radio, and they can call us if they need us. And they're not going to need us. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So we park on this little, we pull off on this little road and we park and we're there maybe two minutes and some special forces guy comes by. It's like midnight. He's got all his gear on and this, you know, 70 pound ruck and he comes, comes piling right by us. And we're like, well, this isn't the best parking spot. <laughs> What's this guy doing out here? Oh, he's being special forces. That's what they do, you know? So, uh, okay, great. We're going to find a better spot. Well, we knew of a better spot and it was about, it was on a, we could call it a goat road. It's a, one of those roads that used to be a road, like a dirt road, but now it's not. So it's all pretty much overgrown and you can just barely use it. Our car was a styling uh, machine of law enforcement. It was a uh, Plymouth K car, <laughs> which is such a bad car. Such <laughs> a bad car. But, you know, it was looking all bad. It had the big cherry lights on top, which helped slow it down, you know, with the with the air resistance and uh, had markings on it. You could tell it was an MP car. It said police on it, military police, you know, had the light bar. This is key to the story. I'm not just telling you how cool my MP car was. <laughs> so we drive this back on this goat trail into an elevated position. There's kind of like a little kind of, I hesitate to say mountain. It wasn't, but for that area, it was a mountain, but anywhere else it was like, you know, a good hill. You drive it back in there, and uh, it takes about 10 minutes, and we back in. We get parked, and it's nice. It's kind of a it's kind of, it's a wooded area, but not like super thick. But I can look in any direction. I can see without, I can see about 100 meters, even though there's trees, you know, because it's not that thick. Nobody around. We got great communications. We can hear what's going on. 
we're like, all right, we're just going to take a nap for about an hour, uh, listen to the radio, and get some sleep. So we're there. I don't know how long we were there. It probably seemed like maybe 20, 30 minutes, maybe. And the car's off. Car's turned off. Everything's off. You know, I don't have any lights on or anything. So we're sitting there, and I just feel like something is slid sideways, like something's off. Something is not right. I kind of open my eyes really slow, and I'm looking in front of the car, and I see these shapes in front of the car. And they're these guys in robes or something in robes. There's three of them right in front of the car, like up against the car, three of them. And then there's two, I, if I look out the right window, I can see one or two of them. And if I look out my window, I can see one or two of them just standing there unmoving. And I can't see anything. All I can see is the robe. I can't see faces. I can't see hands. They look like those Game of Thrones robes, you know, like the masters wear with the, you know, the big hoods and the big sleeves and everything like that. Mm-hmm. The way they're standing there, you, you can't see any skin. I can't see feet. I can't see anything but these robes. And I'm like, what is this going on? And my partner is sleeping. And I just kind of really slowly reach my hand over and nudge him. And he opens his eyes and he's like, he's like, what the hell is this? I'm like, yeah, check this out. You know, and he's looking and all we can see is probably uh, three, five, like seven, maybe seven people or whatever they were there around the car. We're in the middle of nowhere. Like, nowhere. There's nothing around us but rural space. No houses, no buildings, nothing. And we're in an area that isn't used. Like, we're the only ones that occasionally drive back there. I've never seen anybody back there. Like, ever. And 20 minutes after sleeping, these people are standing around a military police car, like, crowding the car. So bizarre. And I tell my partner, I'm like, I just whisper it. It just seems, it feels so off, this whole situation. And I tell him, I'm like, I'm going to turn the lights on, you know? And he doesn't say anything. So I take that as, and he was the senior guy. So, you know, I'm just making sure he's like, no, never turn the lights on. You know, I don't know. Maybe he's got some advice for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I will welcomely take it at this moment, you know? And I'm like, I'm going to turn the lights on. And he's like, nothing. So I'm like, okay. So I reach out, and it was one of those switches that you literally grabbed and pulled out. Dunk, dunk. And the lights come on. The car's still not running. And it lights up about a third of our, if we were a 360, you know, like 100% around us, it lit up about a third of that in front of us. And we can see quite a ways out because there's not a lot of trees. It's kind of sparse, but there's enough. And we were both floored by what we saw. There was probably at least 40 or 50 of these guys. No kidding. In the same exact robes. And they're, <laughs> they're standing sporadically like out to about 150 meters. Like every 30 feet, there's one of these guys. The only ones that were next to each other, like right next to each other, like they could be talking, were the guys right around the car. And then everybody else was by themselves standing alone, facing the car. Wow. Without moving. The second I turned the lights on, I was in the, again, this is a pertinent. I keep saying I was a military, but it's pertinent to the story. 
But moving soldiers, moving a lot of people is something I've done a lot of, right? Mm-hmm. Point, point A to point B, dismounted movement. It's, you know, drill and ceremony, getting all these guys over there. It's not an easy thing. Like, if you haven't practiced it, it's difficult. Well, somehow all of these guys got into position almost perfectly, like asymmetrically from each other, not one person next to the next, all fixing the car at the same angle, not one of them moving an arm, a leg, a head, anything, the second I turned on the lights. That's the part that, honestly, I was like, how is that even possible? Yeah, then, you'd think your the you know your arm would go up if you were standing in front of a car and it's dark and the lights yeah, going to cover your like eyes. automatically like oh let me block my you know nope yeah. not even no movement zero movement all the way out none of them moved right and I was like whoo I took a big breath I was like okay and then now the other thing is I still cannot see a face I still cannot see hands skin or anything at this point i know there's robes that are mad at us (laughs) you know that's it they could be anything i mean really they could be reptilians for all i know i can't see anything so and neither can my partner and the point we're in a k car that thing's like six inches off the ground it's a piece of junk you know it's sitting down there so we're looking up at them like up at the guys right in front of us. So the angle, you would think I'd be able to see under a hood. Can't see anything. So I'm like, man, this is intense. I did not want to be there so much. <laughs> yeah. We're in the middle of nowhere. There's 40 or 50 of these people who are non-moving, not doing anything. And I'm just like, and again, I whispered to my partner. I'm like, I'm going to start the car, you know? <laughs> And he goes, okay, good idea. (laughs) So I grab it and I start the car up and guess what happened? Nothing. They didn't move. They didn't flinch. They didn't, they didn't do anything. And I'm like, oh my God. And I said a little prayer, you know, I'm like, oh, come on. And I stepped on the brake and I grabbed the gear selector and I went bump, bump, bump three positions into the drive and I held it, held the brake, right? And I let it rock forward just like an inch. You could tell I put the car in gear. I didn't honk the horn. I didn't do anything crazy. I was making no sudden movements. And the guys that were directly in front of the car, only those three moved to the side. They stepped to the side to allow us to pass. And I mean, they allowed us to pass. There's no doubt in my mind that if they did not want us to go, we were not going anywhere, like ever. Mm. So they stepped to the side and I slowly started rolling the car forward between them and then back down to the goat road. And these guys are, they're sporadically everywhere for, you know, 150 meters, like I said. So every once in a while, uh, was I'm crawling out of there as slow as I can possibly drive. There'll be one in the way. And when I get to that one, I just slowed down a little bit and he would step to the side and allow me to pass. And I would go to the next one. I probably four more of them, three or four of them I got to that were actually standing 
near or on the road that had to move and that did, but they waited so that I knew they were letting me go by. And that was, this is, we never talked about it again. Never. I don't know why people do that. Like I would have loved to have talked about it. We never brought it up again. It's like we wanted to forget it happened. Yeah, some people don't. They just, for whatever reason, they just don't talk about stuff. But I don't know what that was. I have no idea. So if anybody has any experience with that kind of thing, like I would love to know. That's like the one question I have. I really, if I could answer any question, that that would be it. That is wild. So at no point as you're driving out and these figures are moving out of the way gradually or slowly, at no point do you see hands, faces, anything. No. And they're so close to the car, they just step to the side so I can just get by. Like I'm brushing them as I'm coming by, looking up at them. And I see nothing, not one nose. All I can see is hood, though. I don't see like a hole or a void or something where their face was. But the hoods are such a way that I didn't see what, uh, you know, anything, nothing. How's that? And so, how, and there's so many questions, obviously. Yeah. How, yeah. what are they doing? How did they get out there? Why? Just so many questions. But then years later, I'm thinking, because I've thought about this a lot, you know, like it comes up and I'll ponder it and I'll try and hit it from different angles and whatever. And it occurred to me just actually pretty recently <laughs> that all we saw was what was in front of us. We didn't see behind us. I wasn't looking behind us and we were in the center of their like half circle, but there's no reason there wasn't a full circle. Right. Yeah. We would have been exactly. And I, I, the more I think about it, the more that actually makes sense. Why, why would there be a half circle? Yeah. Save big money now on new siding from LP smart side at Menards update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty. That means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP smart side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And you said uh, approximately how many did you guess were there? Well, that I could see was about 40, about 40 of them in front of me. Mm -hmm. So, and I saw about, I saw just over a third of like the viewing area around us. Right. So there was probably a hundred of them. Wow. You know, I'm making an assumption. I'm making a jump. Sure. But But why would they just happen to be where I could see them and nowhere else? All the robes yeah. looked exactly the same? Everything looked identical. And none of them were abnormally small or abnormally large. They were all like, I would even call them overly tall, you know, like 5'10", I would guess, you know. 
just like little clones of themselves everywhere. Yeah, so you didn't notice like variation in height or anything between them? No, nothing stood out, nothing to catch your eye at all. And they were slight build. If I had to guess, um, if I had to make a wild guess, I'd say they're about like 170 pounds, you know, just from the way they carried themselves and moved and stuff. Mm-hmm. 160, 170 pounds, about that, about 5'8 to 5'10. Yep, nobody shorter than that that I saw, nobody taller than that really that I saw. If you had to make a guess at the color of the robes, it was like a, it was a brownish, you know, nothing, the most unexciting color you could find, mm-hmm. you know, just like a, like a nature color. And I want to say Druid, I don't, I don't know. That's the only thing I know. Where's a robe? I don't, I can't find any information on this. I'm right. really curious as any of the listeners have any information on this because it's been driving me crazy since 1992, 93. Yeah, that is a bizarre one. Yeah. I'm, so that was why I was excited to say yeah. something about it. I'm going to have to dig into uh, German folklore a bit and see if anything pops up that uh, might meet that description. Because that's yeah. very... I would very... love to hear anything you could come up with on it. Yeah. I know I do have some uh, listeners in Germany, too. Maybe they'll have some ideas. Yeah, that would be great. Yep, it was Gießen, Germany is where it uh, occurred. So, I mean, not that that's the only place that they show up. Right. So, right. yeah, just a lot of questions like, was it the area itself? You know, is that what drew them? Why? And so you're out there doing whatever you're doing. Let's say, let's just kick that out there. You're, you're druids. Let's say druids just for fun. Sure. You're, you're doing what you're doing. You're doing it in the woods and you're doing it at one o'clock in the morning. You see a police car. One of you says, hey, I got an idea. Let's surround that thing. Yeah, right. What? Right. No. I'm going to be the druid that's like, no, that's not a good idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Karen, what are you thinking? You know? And Karen's like, no, it'll be fun. Yeah. I'd be like, Karen, they got ammunition and guns. Karen's like, I don't care. Let's do this thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Come on. That doesn't make any sense. No, not at all. It's like when people are like, oh, that Bigfoot, that could be a guy in a costume. It's kind of in with that. You're not a guy in a costume out there with somebody when you know they have guns and they're doing stuff with guns. That's just, that's no, you're not. Exactly, yeah. And these guys, they know we got guns because it says police and we're in a car. Let's go screw with the police. How often do people say that? Yeah. (laughs) Not too often. No. They did a good job though, I'll tell you that. Yeah, now you wonder if there's some kind of time slip or something. You know what I mean? It's just such a bizarre thing. Like, I can't see modern people just doing that, you know? No! Anybody who is, yeah, there you go. Anybody who is with the current culture and knows the ramifications or the possible cause and effect of doing something like that. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Just doesn't make, and where did they come from? That's, I can't emphasize this. For them to have walked there in these oversized, obviously bulky robes that are hot, I'm sure, you know, it's, it's kind of cool out, but it's raining a little bit, like a little bit of mist, which is nice. So they would have had to have walked at least five miles from any kind of structure or parking area to get there through the woods. I don't know. Maybe it was a bunch of special forces guys. And that's what he had in his uh, rucksack was this robe. <laughs> <laughs> I could see them doing that. Like, how are we going to do this thing? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Too bizarre. 
That's a wild one, though. Yeah, but I'd love to hear anything. Tight butt cheeks driving out of there, I'm guessing. Yeah. (laughs) Drove out of there. And other than, it's just, I look back on it and I'm thinking, how do you not talk about that? How do you not bring that up? And, hey, what was it? Not one time. And he was a friend of mine, too. The guy was like, it wasn't like I never talked to him. I went to a concert with him. Me and my wife and and him and his wife went to a concert. The time we saw Guns N' Roses when they were in Germany, it was great. Yeah, we never brought it up again. I, I don't want to, I'm not going to go into the story, but you know the UFO story I told? On Sasquatch Chronicles, yeah. Yes. Well, what I didn't, I didn't get into was something that happened about two weeks after that. And I can tell you quick if you want to hear that. Sure, yeah, absolutely. It's just one of those things. Weird things happen to me. Like people are, oh, weird things follow me. They do. I ignore them. So for people who didn't listen, you were young when this happened, right? You were a kid? Yeah, 11. I was 11 years old. And basically, just quick, I saw a UFO in the sky right over top of me. was sitting there. And then it took off Mm -hmm. super fast. But about two weeks after that, so I'm at home. And we're in northern Minnesota, 30 miles from town, maybe 20. I always said 30. My parents probably made that up just to make it sound like it was farther. But (laughs) (laughs) we're like near an Indian reservation, the White Earth Reservation. And my dad was building a house out there. He was a jack of all trades. He could build anything. He was a drywaller, professional, and then also a carpenter. But he decided, that's it. I've made enough money in my life, you know, which was, was a horrible decision. But he bought 80 acres, and he said, I'm building a house. I'm going to buy this crappy house, and I'm going to turn it into a good one. So we got this little house, and he built it up. But so anyway, we're all in there. So it's my mom, my dad, our dog, my sister, and her boyfriend is there there she's much older than me she's i think 19 at the time her boyfriend is there he's he's a little bit older than her but everybody's there sleeping here's the thing with my dad which i seem to have got from him is he doesn't like to finish anything (laughs) (laughs) right so he's got this house built and i swear to you the most unbelievable part of this entire story i'm telling today there was not one door inside of that house not one not one bedroom door not one bathroom door nothing it had exterior doors only and you just never never did get around to putting actual doors inside the house (laughs) so i'm laying downstairs in the basement sleeping and uh, my parents are two levels up it kind of goes up split level split level so but there's there are two levels up and next to them is the bathroom and that's the other thing that's unbelievable. We only had one bathroom. This house had like 13 rooms with no door on it. So good times. Anyway, so I'm down there sleeping and I hear the bathroom vanity from downstairs as I'm laying there. I hear it open and then I hear it go boom, 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 shutting. You know how it shuts and then just kind of like jumps when it hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that. I'm like, okay, great. Well, it keeps doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it over and over. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on up there? Like, I'm the youngest guy in the house. I'm like 11 here. There's so many more adults that should be addressing this issue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, like, why do I have to get out of bed and be the adult here? I do not like this. But it won't stop. And it's continuous opens up and then boom 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 i'm like oh my god it's not stopping so i have to do something this is to kill me so i walk upstairs 
and I get right outside of the bathroom door. And the lights are on in the bathroom. They're on. But there's like a ledge, and I'm up against the ledge, and I can't see in the bathroom. I have to go around, like, I have to go around the little ledge to, like, go through the doorway. And what I can see is my parents' room right across from the bathroom. If you go out the bathroom and make a hard left, my parents' room is right there. And I can see them sleeping in bed with the dog. This doesn't make any sense. My dad's a Vietnam vet. And he's not like a super nice or a super uh, strong sleeper, you know? Mm -hmm. Unlike myself, I can sleep through anything, including a mortar attack. And I've done that twice. But anyway, so my dad is sleeping there with the dog. Nobody's alerting. Nobody's waking up. Nobody's doing anything. And this thing keeps going, continuing, continuing. And I just can't bear this. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I'm like, I have to eliminate every possibility here. So I go downstairs. I don't go in the bathroom. I go downstairs and I go in my sister's bedroom and I look because, you know, she can't shut the door because we don't have any. So <laughs> I go in there. Is she sleeping? She's in bed. Her boyfriend's in bed. He's sleeping. I'm like, what is this? And her boyfriend was an Indian. And I'm thinking, man, aren't Indians supposed to be on it? <laughs> aren't you supposed to be like battle ready guy? You know, not so much. So I was like, man. So I go back upstairs and I go outside the door and I'm sitting there. And the entire time, that probably took me like, you know, three or four minutes to do that, right? This has not relented. At this point, it's been going on for about 10 minutes straight, one after the next. Opening, slamming, opening, slamming. And this is the part where I'm going to probably disappoint you with the story. <laughs> but so I get there and I'm there and I'm like, I feel like right on the other side of that door, right through the doorway, there's no door, but right around there, about six feet from where I'm standing is like a life-changing decision. You know? Like if I walk around and see what this thing is, it's like it's there for me. Mm -hmm. Because nobody else is alerting. Nobody else can hear it, which is ridiculous. They can't hear it. They're 15 feet away. It woke me up in the basement. So this thing is here for me. And I start thinking, I feel like I'm being manipulated. Like it chose me. It's messing with me. It's doing this. It's forcing me to come in there and make contact with it. And, you know, I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to. I was like, <laughs> like a complete defiance of the situation. Like, oh, you want to do that? I'm like, no, I don't want to know what's in there. Not that bad. You know, I don't know. So mm -hmm. I went downstairs. I got back in bed. I put the pillow over my head and I forced myself to lay there until I went to sleep. No one in the morning said anything like, you know, did you hear Did anybody hear that in the bathroom, et cetera? I did. But you did, no but one else did. No, yeah, else. no, but did you hear that last night? No, what are you talking about? And I'm sorry it's an anticlimactic story. No, but, but I get it. I get it. And the I way just you felt just... being manipulated. And I was like, no, like, no, I'm not going to be manipulated. The way you describe it being for you and other people not hearing it, I've told my own abduction story a million times on the podcast. So I'm not going to tell it again. I quote unquote abduction. I, I don't think I ever left my bed. I think it was some kind of out-of-body experience perhaps. But uh -huh. in, in any case, I screamed at the top of my lungs. 
I think two times and I was in a house full of people, house oh. full of people. No one heard me. Are I, you kidding me? No, no. I, I very sheepishly, so I was living in, this was, I was in college at the time. I was living in my girlfriend's mother's basement. So I was kind of living in a room down there. I, her whole family lived upstairs. So her, you know, she, my girlfriend did her mom, her dad, her grandmother, two of her brothers lived there at the time, I believe. Nobody heard me. I, I went up, you know, around breakfast time, like very sheepishly, like ready to apologize because uh-huh. I don't have a quiet voice when I need to be loud. And yeah. I absolutely screamed at the top of my lungs. You know, they were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh how God. could you have not heard that? How could you have not heard that? So you jog something. You, you jog something that I had forgotten about. I don't know what it is or what was related. It was just it's a short thing. I'll tell you. Sure. So I was 19 and I was, I think it was just before I went in the army or it was, I came home for leave and I was going to get married. It was like right in there. But this was probably, this was 1990, this happened. But anyway, so I'm laying in bed with my soon-to-be wife and I woke up. I didn't know any of this. She told me about this the next morning. She's like, last night, what was, what happened? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she said, you sat up, like straight up in the bed. And she said, you started talking something. Uh, She's like, you were talking a language I've never heard before. Oh, wow. She's like, you were just going and going. And she's like, it was not a made up language. I could tell it wasn't made up because I heard repeating syllables and, you know, the vernacular and how you were uh, expressing yourself. She's like, I could tell it was an actual language, but I've never heard it on TV. I've never heard it. And I don't remember any of this. I don't remember doing this, talking to anybody, sitting up, none of that. I don't remember doing that before or after. And for whatever reason, just uh, going on the two shows and thinking about this stuff. Cause you kind of like self-examine. I don't, I, I try not to think about it all the time, you know, mm-hmm. I just go about my life and do my thing. And, but lately I've been kind of reviewing and trying to come up with some answers. And uh, so I, she's now my ex-wife. I sent her a thing. I'm like, Hey, do you remember that time you told me I sat up and she's like, Oh no, I don't remember that at all. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I know it was like 1990 forever ago, you know, before the dinosaurs, but I was really hoping she, you know, could, but I remember her telling me that, that it was a language. I was speaking it. I was very adamant. I had a lot to say. I did it for about a minute or two. And then she's like, then you just laid down and went back to sleep. Like wow. nothing happened. Yeah. That is bizarre. The question I had uh, regarding your UFO thing was, yeah. After you saw it, I know you said you were uh, riding your bike. You're getting ready to go swimming, right? Yep. Did you arrive at the swimming hole or lake or wherever you were going? Did you arrive at approximately the time you thought you were supposed to? Well, man, that's a good question. But, uh, yeah, I didn't have any means to tell what time it was. We didn't, you know, it was before Mm -hmm. cell phones. And uh, my parents certainly weren't buying me a watch. (laughs) 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 We, We had zero dollars. It was funny because we were the rich people. That's so everything's relative because my dad had built this big house with no doors. So all the people that lived around us like, oh, they're rich. I'd be like, oh, am I? Okay. <laughs> yeah, rich. My mom bought me a shirt for uh, school. This is, just, this is not paranormal. This is just an insight to my childhood. My mom bought me a shirt for school. You know how you go get school clothes. This shirt was on sale on the front. It said, smile. It makes people wonder what you're up to. And it was this nice blue shirt. And on the back, it said, Keith, <laughs> it was a dollar. 
So my mom bought it. She's like, yeah, I know it says Keith on the back, but it's a nice shirt. So people are like, hey, Keith. I'm like, hey, shut up. <laughs> They're like, why does your shirt say Keith? I'm like, why don't you mind your business? <laughs> but yeah, that was my experience growing up. So a watch, a watch wasn't happening, you know. But it seemed to me, the question, the intent of it was, any lost time, and I've considered that. And I, I didn't seem like it to me. Mm -hmm. I, I stopped the bike. I was standing and straddling it, looking up, actually looking around, trying to figure it out. The grass just stopped blowing. This nice 15-mile-an-hour you know, breeze. It felt real good. It was like probably 75 degrees outside. And it just felt real good. And it just stopped like someone shut the door. And I, I didn't know what happened. I put my feet down. I looked around, didn't see anything. And then it's like something, it's just like my head was pulled up. And I went, and right above me, there it was. I was like, hey, what's up? I was like, what is this going on? And then, of course, it's like it took off. And then after it took off, then, oof, like the gate, the bubble popped or whatever you'll have. And just, oof, and the wind came back in and everything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the hell is this? Considered it for about three seconds and then went, I'm going swimming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm pretty resilient that way. Like, yeah, well, no, nothing was going to stop me from swimming when I was a kid, for sure. Well, so much stuff happens. And I know people, and even when I listen to the shows, it's again, I, a lot of times I'll hear people, I'm like, oh my God, he's got another thing, you know? But things happen to me all the time and I just ignore them. It's like I can't deal with it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not even going to deal with that. It's got to be a sledgehammer incident or I'm not even going to recognize it. Like, it was a couple of weeks ago, we're laying in bed. I'm in bed. My wife's in bed. I've got German Shepherds, two of them. They're both in here sleeping. And my door's open. Well, I have like a baby gate in the hallway for my dogs because sometimes I like to have them on one side or the other because they're pretty persistent, you know, depending. And anyway, something runs into that gate. Boom. Hits it. Rang. And I was just like, I look, my wife's there. The dogs are there. I'm like, I'm not even dealing with that. Like, I'm not even getting up. Because my dogs didn't even move. They're German shepherds. They're like on the job 24-7. Right. If they're not rattled, I'm like, yeah, I'm just not even, I'm not dealing with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even get scared or anything. I was just like, and you're a nope. And I went back to sleep, you know? Yeah. Like, well, you know, repeat stories, repeat encounters are a thing. I'm not surprised you had an early UFO encounter at all. I remember being a kid. Like, you know, how your brain works is when you get to six years old, your brain does this reset. And it's a, it's a growing brain thing. It's a psychology thing. It's, a, it's just a biological and it's like a defense thing too. But your brain does a reset. And really, you don't remember a hell of a lot before you were six years old. That's just how it works. Most people are like that. But I can remember laying in the crib. Like, I'm not even kidding. I don't have that reset going on. I didn't get that. So one of the weirdest things I vividly remember is my parents were carrying me up the stairs, and I was like a toddler, you know? I was tiny. I was a toddler. Was, this was in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And they're carrying me up the stairs, and it's nighttime. And by stairs, I mean from the car. So the car is parked down on the curb, and they're carrying me walking up the stairs, and it's snowing out, and it's just, you know, a kid's wonderland. 
Like, I'm so excited. I'm so tired. But I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have so much fun tomorrow. <laughs> you know? I'm going to get out there in my snowsuit. I'm going to free some things off. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> so I'm really excited and tired. I'm just like, have this warm feeling like, oh, God, it's going to be so great. And I go to bed. And I wake up the next morning, what I think is the next morning. And I come running downstairs. And I'm like, hey, we got to go sledding. You know? And it's the middle of summer. Like, wow. it's the middle of summer. Beautiful out. It's like 75, 80 degrees. And my mom's like, well, we're not going sledding, but I'll take you to the pool. And hmm. I'm like, what the hell? Just went to bed. It was two feet of snow, and you were carrying me up the stairs. And what happened to six months? Like, where have I been for six months? It just blew me away. And we just, yeah, we loaded up and went to the pool. and. The whole time I'm feeling like I've got tricked, like badly tricked, mm -hmm. you know, like someone is messing with me. I was like, how is it two feet of snow last night? And today we're swimming and it's the summer. Like literally I just went to bed. I woke up excited to go sledding and it was summertime. Yeah, that's I, weird. I don't even know what, like, I don't even know what. That's a lot Let's of missing time. Yeah, that's like a that's a missing six months or whatever. Yeah, right. That's... What was I doing? Okay, okay. So you got me going. All right. So one more thing that I could, it just popped into my head, if that's all right. Yeah, man. Let's do it. Okay. So the same time Sioux Falls, South Dakota, I'm riding around with my family, and they had this. We had a big uh, suburban, you know, and and it was the seventies. And seatbelts are for chumps, you know? <laughs> seatbelts are a clutch. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. I very much remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so the windows rolled down because who needs windows? That's safety too, you know what I mean? Like keeping kids in the car. Psh, what are you kidding me? So well, Windows hanging... for the air conditioning. That's, that was yeah, the... Exactly, yeah, right. That's what was going on. That's what my but... dad used to call it, 440. 440 air conditioning. It was four windows down, 40 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah well it worked so we had him down and we're going it was me and my mom and my sister sister in the car and she's my mom's driving obviously and uh it had those big trailer mirrors on it you know with the big the bars that come out and i had my hand out there and something got in my head and said hold on like it said hold on for all your worth you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i'm like I just did. I grabbed both hands. I grabbed onto that mirror thing, the trailer mirror thing. And my mom went around the corner and my door came open and I was hanging off the door, like by the, by the mirror, like I was dangling there. And if I wouldn't have done that, I would have tumbled into the intersection and my mom would have ran me over because she was going around the corner. And you know, I'm, I just would have like, that's what would have happened. But something, Oh my God, you're just, I don't know how much time you got, but I got one more story. Yeah, bring it. Okay. So this is the other time I was saved by something in my head. So I wasn't expecting any of this, by the way, I planned out like only two stories here and this is just <laughs> like triggering stuff. So I'm 16 years old. I'm riding to the lake. I'm on my bike again, trouble on the bike. So I'm riding along. I'm a few blocks from the beach where we lived in Minnesota. This is actually Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. Is where I went to school and grew up and stuff. Anyway, so we're going there. I'm going there. I'm riding the, to the beach. 
and I get this picture in my head. It just pops it like it's piped into my head. And I see this black car. It comes big boat of a car, big four-door, you know, Chevy or Plymouth or something. Comes around the corner, squealing, and comes and it runs me over and kills me dead after blowing through the stop sign because I also blew through the stop sign. You know, he mm-hmm. blew through his, I blew through mine, and I ended up dead. And I was like, what was that? I mean, it was like Mediacom color 4K in my head. I was like, what? And then about 10 seconds later, there's my stop sign. And I was like, and I hit the brakes and I stopped at the stop sign. And here comes that car. No joke. That black car comes around the corner, blows through his stop sign and goes right through the intersection. The only thing is, is I was thinking, I could have made that. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually what I was thinking at the time. I was like, I I could have made that. Come on. You know? But then I was like, how weird is that? Yeah. The exact same car coming through at Mach 5, just like he had in my Mediacom, you know, brain-piped, you know, vision that I was given. I saw a a, uh, talk by a guy. His book's called Time Loops, and I'm going to blank on his name. This was at uh, Fort Fest in Baltimore this year. And basically the idea is that the brain is essentially a quantum computer and we're getting information from other times at all times. And uh, his talk was on precognitive dreams. So basically why people are able to dream the future sometimes. Very, very interesting. You wonder if you weren't given some sort of, like I say, you you know, like some sort of future knowledge or some sort of, uh, you know, view into the future or something in both those situations. If your brain wasn't somehow able to access that information. Okay, I got one last thing for you on your time loop. But this was a big one. I can't believe I forgot about this. So I was in the Army. Again, it was like, it was after the Bigfoot thing, I think by about a year. And uh, so 1997, and I'm living in Germany. But I'm not, right? So I go to bed, and basically, I'm like here now, okay? So this is the part where people, if you know me and you're listening to this, I'm sorry, I'm not crazy, just ignore it. Don't talk to me. So like, I'm happy and I'm out of the army. I've retired from the army. I've done my thing. I'm married and like everything's good. Everything's fine. Like it is right now. Like I got no complaints. Really, I don't. And I woke up, like going to bed like tonight, right? And I woke up and it's 1997 and I'm in Germany. And married to my first wife. And that was my reality. Like, I woke up pissed off in hmm. 1997, that day. I remember the day. I woke up and I was like, what the hell is this? Man, I was depressed big time for two weeks because I had to redo everything. Right, yeah. Everything. I'm like, are you kidding me? I knew that I wasn't supposed to be there and I knew I had done it. But what I didn't, what really particularly irritating was I couldn't remember what I had done. Everything was like sort of for the first time, but kind of boring because I know I had done it before. Does that, I don't know if that doesn't make any sense, but I'm no, telling it, you. It does. Again, it's almost like you're for, somehow accessing, like I said, that, that quantum computer. I see it as possible. You know what I mean? I don't, I, I, it's a shame we can't control it in any way. That's, yeah, that's it was way. not. Yeah. I felt like I got kicked out of a, like a marble and a roulette wheel. Mm-hmm. And I got bounced from now to then. 
and just woke up and guess what? That's deal with it. That's where you're at now. But I couldn't recall like specifically like, oh, guess what? Today's the day I really need to not pay the cable guy because, you know, I mean, none of the, the, all the bad decisions were made again. All the right. good ones were made again. But right. uh, I do want to bring up, you had a, an awesome theory on Sasquatch that you talked about on Wes's show. Yeah. I just real quick want to talk about that because Wes always asks people what they think Bigfoot is. And yours was a pretty neat answer. So you put it down to tech. Yeah. Well, that's the only thing I just have. I've read a lot about him or whatever, but my personal experience on, I was trying to figure out what was going on. Just the very short version. He ran next to me for three miles, Mm -hmm. about 25 meters away to my left. And he turned out to be about 10 feet tall and cream colored. And not just running next to you. He matched your footsteps. He mirrored me. Yes. Mirrored me identically. Like 99% identically. And when he made a noise, he cracked a stick that I know he couldn't see because it was a muffled under the ground stick that would crack Mm -hmm. and everything else he was able to avoid. Yeah. But he was like, there's no reason on God's green earth. I should not have been able to go left. Just look left and see this guy. Cause he's cream again, like a creamish white color and 10 feet tall. No joke, but he was managing it. So the only thing that came to my mind was, how do you do that? Well, you do that with tech, you know, light manipulation. That's how you do that. You have tech that allows you kind of like the predator tech, but better than that. Mm-hmm. Because I saw nothing. I looked over there and saw nothing, but I could hear him running next to me 25 right. meters in. You know, even if he was ducking, he was so tall, I should have caught the top half of him. I mean, the tech solution... It's really interesting. It's really, really interesting because I have a big problem with what I call it like the ape in the woods guys because they want to explain everything with infrasound and they want to say, you know, disappearing trackways or because they turned around and tiptoed back through their own tracks. Yeah, I, just, no. I, I have a lot of problems with all that stuff. So I tend to like lean more into the, I guess, the woo thing. But this tech idea, like I can make it work in my head. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm a thousand percent there yet. But sure, I, right. I can make this work in my head. Like this it fits so many different parameters of the, how did this happen? Like I've never been down with the glowing red eye. But if, if they've got optic implants mm-hmm. and that are with a live feed, then they've got some internal illumination going on there. You know? Or yeah. the, the other one I've always been like, yeah, I don't know about that, is when people keep saying it, seeing orbs come and go to them. Mm-hmm. You know? Like... Yeah, so they're doing, they're taking samples, you know, they're, you know, looking for samples and taking them and uh, sending them back and forth through via the the orb. Yeah, it's not magic, it's tech. Yeah, it could be an information download too, for all we know. Sure, yeah, absolutely. That's their Wi Fi for all we know. Yeah. And so, yeah, my whole thing was like, okay, so just tactically, I'm thinking, I got the military mind going, and I'm like, if I'm a little four foot dude, and I want to run around on Earth or another planet. Who do you pick? Do you, run, do you come down there as a little four-foot dude? Or do you recruit some drones that you can manipulate and mm-hmm. raise in place that can go through any environment? You know, they can handle physically almost any encounter. And you can track them. You can drop them. You can pick them up. They can do experiments. Almost nothing is stronger than they are. You know, 
and just for fun, you make them damn near invisible. Like you, yes. you give them the ability to operate with complete immunity. You know. Yeah, I mean it's it's a really interesting solution to what I find are, are a lot of problems with the Sasquatch phenomenon. There's a great quote, I think it's Arthur C. Clarke, who said, any sufficiently advanced technology will appear as magic. Yeah, and absolutely. I totally, I'm down with it. I'm not trying to say, I think the line is drawn. I don't think Bigfoot's out there working on his MacBook. Right. Doing his thing. Not right. at all. I not think yet. he's an animal. I think he is an animal slash human hybrid or whatever you want to say that is, he's amazing. Like he is awesome and amazing. But I think, He's being used as a tool, enhanced. You know, he's not up. You know, he's right. he's getting it put. And when they die, you can't. We never find any body. Oh, there's no bodies. Well, that's because they got to go get their tech. Mm-hmm. They got to go get it and retrieve it and dispose of the body. Because the first time we find one and it's got the tech in it, we just opened a can of worms they can't close. Well, I'm in the process of writing a book right now that delves into just all the weird phenomenon that's associated with the Bigfoot mystery. And uh, I have a whole chapter that's about all these people who have claimed to have shot one and killed one, and we don't have a body, not one. It always goes missing. 100% of the time, these bodies disappear. Now, are they all lying? Are they all hoaxing? I don't know. There's probably some liars and hoaxers amongst them. You've got to factor it in, sure. But for everybody, every single one to be saying, telling the same lie, that's pretty organized. Yeah, exactly. And 100% of the time now, whether it's, you know, a lot of times they'll say that, you know, I left it in the woods and I came back with my friends and the body was gone. And then, you know, the ape in the woods guys say, well, the others came and drug its body off or whatever. But then you have the guys that say, oh, you know, the the guys in the black van showed up and, or the black helicopter and and took it away, you know? Well, unless it's that, that's their version of well, that's, I, sure. I, I hate government conspiracies. I always think it's like a, a I do, just personally. I think it's a oh. weak go-to. Oh, no, me too. My, I'm know? not saying that's government at all. I'm saying that's that's something else. It's the same something else that the men in black are. You know, I mean, these right. where they well, sort of they sort of appear like normal humans, but they're not, you know, just so they can move around. If these things have been around forever, these by these things, I mean, if, if it's the aliens and it's their tech, They've been around forever because these, I've gotten the same reports, you know, or similar ones. Yeah, that's the thing that stops us up for some reason. We're, we are so arrogant. Mm -hmm. We think if we don't have the tech or can't conceive of it, then nobody has it. Yeah. You know, they've been here for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. They've had tech. They're flying around in in little aluminum cans from here to God knows (laughs) where, you know, they're ahead of us guy. Yeah. They've been here. So Bigfoot's, uh, in my opinion, Bigfoot's had this tech for as long as we've, you know, we've known a Bigfoot. Right. And it might even be more than one group manipulating them just because sure. there's such a, a great base to take and do something with because they're so effective at what they do. Yeah, I mean, you know? you're taking something that's, that's already, you know, superhuman by definition. Like, you know, something that size and that, and that strong is, is just, it has abilities we don't. Yeah, it's and like then if totally usable. Yeah, if you're augmenting that, then, uh, hey, I, you know, again, I don't know, you know, it's speculation, but it's a, it's a neat theory. I just really liked it, so I wanted to touch on it while, while I had you. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. It's cool. It. Very interesting theory. All right, Chad, uh, thank you so much for sharing your stories. Yeah, thanks. You, man, I've got some research to do now. <laughs> double guessing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> well, and keep us posted with the weird stuff, man. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it having me on. 
Thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back next week with another episode of Strange Familiars. Strangefamiliars.com is going through some changes right now, so the website's going to be a little wonky for the next little bit, but we should have the new website up and running soon. If you can't find episodes there, you can always find us on your favorite podcatcher, and we will have strangefamiliars.com fixed as soon as possible. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more, darkhollerarts.com. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. And you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can also join the Strange Familiars gathering group. And we are on Instagram, at strangefamiliars. flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.